Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Old Ways podcast, Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle, Blood Moon Rising. I am your storyteller, Storyteller Arena. And before we get into anything, I would like to say thank you to all of our listeners and specifically to our Patreon backers. Thank you for making this show a reality and a possibility and for being part of our adventures in San Francisco by night. So tonight we will be tracking down a mysterious person who the rest of the Coterie became aware of in the last episode. But before that, let's have some introductions. So, to my right. Hi, this is Mike, and I play Marcus Voss of Clan Brua. Indeed you do. And to Marcus's right. Hi, I'm John, and I play Vince Markovich of Clan Tremere. A much more mature Tremere than perhaps we're used to at this point. And at the end of the table. Hi, my name is Tegan, and I'm playing Rom the Shaman of Clam Malkavian. Hey, thank you, Rom. And to Rom's right. Hi, this is Ali, and I play Katerina Bogdanovich, and, well, someone took something important to me. How dare they? I wonder who that could be. Normally, I would say last but not least, but we have a special guest with us tonight, so I'll just say to Katerina's right. This is Tiffany, and I play Alex Giovanni. And I don't think I've been this angry in a long time. Very long time. I wonder why that is. And now, last but not least, we have one of our wonderful backers joining us this evening. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, my name is Anthony, and tonight I'll be playing Dima. Mysterious. All right, so let us get right back into the furious action. We have some, well, perhaps not bloody anymore vampires, considering Vince went and took a shower. But at the end of our last episode, the five of you had gathered at Vince's bungalow. And you had, uh, upon discovering you had all lost something, or perhaps someone, you'd made a decision to attend an art exhibit. So what are you going to do? Uh, I know I'm taking Rom with me. Heyo. Somebody else can babysit the crazy, the other crazy, the more crazy. I'm the lesser? You are. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The lesser of two crazies. Yeah, dude, all you gotta do is just, you know, do some mad vampire science. I'm absolutely going, I'm packing. I've got scalpels in each pocket. I've got lots of knives. 
Rams because Rom is still manic and hungry and not doing very well right now. Yep. It's not going to be nice. But it's, it's an interesting drive to the place you've been summoned to by these art show cards. Yeah, that's fine. It's not one of the better areas of San Francisco. It's actually fairly run down, fairly dilapidated. Uh, there used to be a lot of old warehouses, an old shipyard down there as well that's fairly derelict. There's talk of going in and renovating parts of, of Hunter's Point, but with the pandemic and everything, those plans haven't really gone anywhere. And as you drive into this area, you can feel the change in the air in San Francisco, even over the last couple of nights. The moon is becoming fuller. You're getting very close to November 7th, the blood moon at its fullest. And just the tension and the malaise in the air is evident among both populations of this town. The kind have been afraid of this serial killer, whoever they are, who's been taking people from all walks of life, whether from the homeless population or more recently, Jimmy, whose parents are very, very influential with the mayor of the town. People have been taken from their cars inside their homes and turned up a few days later, disemboweled. No one knows anything. No one can find anything. And as for the kindred, well, we all know what's been happening with them. With the exception of Elysium, everything has gone fairly quiet in kindred society. Fewer parties, fewer gatherings, more suspicion, more silence. You can feel all of that in the air as you drive up to this particular warehouse. The address that was so kindly provided to you on your invitations. So this particular warehouse looks fairly unprepossessing as you drive up. It's large. The outside looks fairly run down. There's broken windows, grass poking up through broken pavement. There's no people around, which is a bit strange. You'd expect to see at least a few homeless folks or maybe some druggies wandering around or hiding out in the alleys, but this whole block is very quiet and there's the faint smell of blood in the air. I put the car in park. Are you telling your driver to wait for you, Alex, or to go away and come back? Yeah, I'm going to tell him he can go and come back. Okay. I don't want to risk him. I have plans for him. So your driver drops you off and promises to return when summoned. And he speedily gets out of this area. You can tell he's feeling very uncomfortable here. Well, you all have an art show. Yeah. You're acting like you don't. I didn't get a uh, paper invitation. Let's just put it that way, Alex. You got a different kind of invitation? I walked to the trunk. What do you take from the trunk? Um, something we spoke about. Oh, yes, indeed. So you've made your preparations, although you were intending to use it perhaps in other ways at first. 
All's not lost. Not yet. I'm going to take a moment and uh, pull out a fedora that I've had smashed in the back of my coat and summon him. So the wraith of Luther Garibaldi materializes outside your car, Marcus. Okay, I I definitely pause at that. I'm going to look over and I'm going to ask Luther, like, do you want to help out for old time's sake? Do your duty. He tilts his head. He looks at the building. He looks at you, Marcus. He raises his spectral hat at you. Yes, it uh, it seems we're back to the fray again. I um, engage the pump action on the shotgun. Luther smirks. It has been too long since we fought side by side, hasn't it, Marcus? <laughs> and you see the wraith move towards the door and stop. And he frowns. And he pushes his hand forward and his hand does not move. I like roll my eyes and go, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You should have told me there were wards around this place, Alex. Oh, I'm, I am clearly all knowing about wards. Especially ones against ghosts. And I look over at Vince. I was never taught that one. I'm oh, shocked. Luther, Luther points at some dripping paint on the door. And you can see the paint is shifting. It's changing as you, as you look at it. It's one sign and then it's another sign and then it's a different one. And he just shrugs and says, Well, someone knew what they were doing. Did you tell anyone that you were bringing a ghost to the party? Huh? Because whoever this is, they were ready for it. It's me. He shrugs. Well, thanks for showing up. Uh, maybe we can find a way to... I mean, I can hang out here, keep an eye on things for you. Well, as long as you leave that out here. I can't stick around otherwise, at least uh, not in this form. I don't know if I want to leave that out in the open. I don't think you want me to leave that out in the open. <laughs> well, then you'll just have to get me to pop back up again then now, won't you? <laughs> Hope you don't mind. Well, I've got nothing better to do. I'm dead. Again. True. All right. Thank you. I'll just walk up to the door. And the wraith shimmers, looks at you, Marcus, and just kind of does a head tilt. Good luck, Marcus. And disappears. Cute trick. Yeah, I can't say it's not totally unexpected. I mean, if you know who you're inviting. Mm-hmm. Certainly. I look at uh, I look at Vince. So if it's magic, it's your ballgame, right? I mean, in theory, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a wide area of magic, and I don't know all of it yet. Yeah, it, that's one I don't know. I, I don't know how he's doing the shifting. And he, like, wiggles his finger, pointing at it. He's like, I don't know how he's doing that part. That's pretty cool. 
Uh, Vince is going to activate his heightened senses, though. <laughs> when you activate your heightened senses, Vince, you are overwhelmed with the smell of blood. It is like a gust of wind hitting you full on in the face. It's even stronger than your overwhelmed senses down in your, well, now your murder basement. There's a lot of blood here. It's just like, there's a lot of blood. I think he might be using it as some kind of cover, maybe to hide himself, you know, overwhelm our senses so that we can't uh, pick something out. I think that might be a thing he's trying. That's what I'd do. <laughs> he says as though he's a veteran killer. He's, he's still only three. Do I feel anything over the network? Anything that <clears throat> smells of my own clan or a member of my clan? You don't pick up anything Malkavian in here. Oh, thank God. <laughs> That's what Marcus is thinking, too. Oh, no, no. It's literally just like, I guess I just say that out loud. Oh, thank God. It's an art show. It's got to be a dirty tr- Toreador. So is, does it look like this is the only door in? I mean, as far as you can tell, there's some what look like broken windows, although they shimmer a little bit as you walk past them. So it's probably all warded. Do you think he can hear us in there? Probably. Want me to call him out? (laughs) Somehow I feel like not going anywhere. We have to go in. And why, well, do, why, do you, why do you feel that exactly? It kind of looks at you like a like a student <laughs> who's been picked to, by a teacher and he's like, um, well, I think uh, he wants us to see whatever it is that's been done in there. And I, uh, I think he, uh, he can just wait for us. He's got no incentive to leave. He's got people we care about in there and uh, no reason to come out. We can't starve him out. Not everybody has a choice if they are compelled. That's a pretty big building. True. Well, the front door seems like probably the worst place to try to go in. But I bet the other places are warded, but I could break in. You gonna pick the lock? I can. Go for it. The door swings open as you approach Well, the it. front door, sure. But I was saying a different door. So you're going to try and break into one of the other doors? Well, I don't know. Is that what we want to do? Do we want to go in a different door? No. I think we just head in the front door. Okay. They've been very, they've been very direct with whatever they've, whatever they've done, whatever they want. And so we're going to be direct right back. Okay, so you walk in the front door. All of you? Yeah. Okay. So you walk in through the front door. As soon as the last person crosses the threshold, the door slams shut behind you. And you are in what could only be described as some kind of mausoleum, the way it's been set up. 
The smell of blood is even stronger in here, and now you're catching the distinct slight tang of Vitae as well. It's not just human blood in here. But there's what looks like a stone coffin set up in the middle of the room, and painted in the middle of the ceiling is a bloody moon, the same one you've seen in your visions and in your dreams, this image again, only this one is full, and you can see the blood actually dripping from it, as if with wet paint. And Rom, this this image strikes you immediately, because you remember your vision with Dina, you remember the vision you had when Trevor attacked you, and you went into your, your vision phase, and that dripping blood that you saw it was paint. That's what it was. It's not giving off anything psychically. It's completely in the physical it, realm. It's just a memory. You're, you made that connection, that dripping blood, the way it dripped is the same as this one here. And it's it's a little overwhelming to remember those visions because of the traumatic process of having those particular visions, but it overwhelms you in this moment, Rom. Absolutely. And you see more bleeding corpses painted around the room. There are skeletons with bleeding hearts dripping down. You can almost hear the dripping. Almost. Just painted all around this room. And there's just, it smells of death in here. And decay. And rot. It's coming from everywhere all at once. With with all of your heightened senses, just your natural keen senses, and Vince, you in particular with your heightened senses, it's almost overwhelming how much you're smelling. And the room almost feels like it's vibrating with the beat of a heart. And you see across the room is a, another door opening into what looks like a stairway. Not my taste in interior decorating, but it's a bit gaudy. Um, and he leans or Vince leans over to Alex and just like, can you sense anything, you know, magic? M- magic? That's that's your thing. I, 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 I thought you could do it too. And he, he's going to try and um, sense the unseen. <laughs> oh, I can do that too, but... I'm actually okay. looking for where the uh, shroud bends. And Vince, what are you looking for? I'm looking for any more wards or like trip lines, basically magic traps. <laughs> okay, so Vince, there don't seem to be magic traps necessarily, but you get a very strong sense of blood sorcery. Which, considering how much blood you smell, would make sense, but it is a little odd considering Alex thinks that this person is a Toreador, because they're not known for their blood magic. But the sense of it is very powerful in here. But if they were friends with Zachariah... And say they were religious zealots together, maybe they'd overcome some old plan lines. Um... Yeah, so just... (laughs) Very quietly, Vince is like, just, just be aware, they know some blood sorcery. I don't know how much, but some. What? You're kidding. Yeah, no. no. They got some. I don't know how good they are, but they got some. 
So does it seem like the whole place is warded then? Like the shroud yes. is... As far as you here. can tell, there there's no spirits here, which is strange with all the smell of death in the air. There should be some kind of spirits, but there's nothing. Someone was taking a lot of precautions in here. Let's say that Rom is terrified that somewhere in here is more than just the loved ones of Marcus and possibly Alex. Could I perhaps reach out, reach out, reach out and see if I could ping any of my ghouls nearby? If you want to reach out using your Malkavian powers. Oh god, you're letting me do it. That's not good. Do I have to, like, quote masks in here? Stop touching everything. I'm not touching anything, but we have two objectives. One, take down a threat. Two, protect those that we wish to keep whole. So, I'm attempting to identify where they might be. Give me a rouse check, Rom. That was a rousing success. So you succeed and you can you just tap into the Malkavian network trying to find the presence of your of your ghouls. You can normally sense them when they're around you because you've bound them to you for so long. It's very difficult in here because it's so sensorially overwhelming. You're hungry, you haven't slept, and it's just so much noise. But you catch just, just for a split second, a whimper. Do I get any directional knowledge at all? No, not through the network, because the network is more of a bunch of rivers and streams all running together. It's really almost impossible to tell direction through anything okay. you get through the network. And then I'm just going to look at Marcus, and I'm going to say, they're here. Who's they? Our people. At least one of my, at least one of mine is here. I would assume all of us have been uh, targeted. And as you have this realization, you hear a voice coming from somewhere, nowhere, everywhere, all at once. Oh, oh, this is so exciting. You finally arrived. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, I'm just so pleased to finally get to meet you all in person. Oh, all the work and preparation. It's perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. The painting is coming together. I, I, I do apologize for the abrupt nature of my invitations, but getting all five of your attention was required. So welcome, welcome to a personal art gallery for each of you. I do thank you for coming. Uh, when you get down to the lower level, I'll explain the rules. Uh, but for now, I just have one question. What do any of you know of the corruption of vampire society? The voice goes silent. Oh, I look really irritated and unamused. It's like, I mean, vampire society is pretty corrupt. I mean, it's entirely based on favors and who knows who. I mean, just like foundationally, it's... 
So you were paying attention. I was. <laughs> Your lessons finally sunk in. Uh, Do you remember my other lesson? Uh, they all want something from me. And, oh, I'm also a predator and I should kill them first. Not exactly. I feel like you, you didn't say those words, but I took that to be the takeaway. The takeaway was this. We're all monsters. In some way. Well, let's get this over with so we can actually deal with the actually important stuff. Yeah. Vince just takes out one of the scalpels he's got and he's like, yeah, let's just go. Let's just do it. Yeah, we'll uh, head through the door. At least I will. Mm -hmm. You go through this door into a staircase. Stairwell. The stairs only lead down. As far as you can tell. It is a dark stairwell. Not that that matters too much to most of you. But everything appears to be coated in blood. You can hear it dripping from the ceiling. You can see it on the railing, on the stairs themselves. The air is full of iron. Do you go down? Yep. Oh yeah, I don't think we have a choice. Yeah, I don't see any other way to go. Into the belly of the beast. So is this like... Is this like a multi-level staircase, like spiraling down? Yes. Okay, I'm going to use Cat's Grace and just book it Drop down. down. Yeah. Okay. So Katarina just leaps from the top of the stairs down to the bottom. Yeah, seems about right. I do the same. So does Marcus. I roll my eyes and walk like a civilized human being. Yeah, I also yeah. take the stairs because that's what stairs are for. Except you're not you're not human. But sure. I'm with Alex, of course. So Marcus and Katarina leap down to the bottom with one fluid motion. And the other three of you take the stairs. It takes you a little bit longer to get down there. But once you do, you find yourself in a large room. This room smells even stronger of death and decay. It also smells of fresh paint. And there is blood dripping down the walls. Or is it paint? It's a little hard to tell with all of the smell in here. And there is a single door. And as you all arrive, you hear that, that voice again, echoing everywhere and nowhere. Oh, excellent. Okay, so... Uh, a couple of rules, just so that we're all on the same page. Um, so, you are here, and uh, each you each have a special exhibit. Only you can enjoy the exhibit. Um, anyone who breaks the rules, they lose the precious thing that, uh, you know, they... Well, that I took. Uh, but, but don't worry, I'll put them to good use. Uh, I'm always in need of fresh supplies. So, um... You'll know. Your name will be on the door. Um, it, 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 there's a, it's a... It's a special gallery just for you. Uh, and if you do what's supposed to be done in the room, then don't worry. You'll be able to get out and continue along. And if it all goes well, you will all leave with your precious someone safe and sound. But do be aware that I am watching, so if you break the rules consequences will be had 
and you notice that the single door has no handle, just a space for a key. And as the voice finishes its little monologue, you see the other side of the wall off to the right begin to shift. It's almost like a layer of paint dripping away from the wall. And you see another door there. And the name on the door is Vincent. Son of a... I'm going to pat him on the head. I don't need this, you know? I just don't need this at the moment. None of us need this. I agree. <laughs> and he just goes up to it. And he, like, tentatively pushes it open. <laughs> when you touch the door, it's almost like the door is reacting to your specific touch. And another layer of paint drips away to the floor, and the door swings open for you to enter. Yeah, Fitz is going to step in. You step in, and the door slams shut behind you. And the door becomes transparent on one side only, like a one-way mirror. And the rest of you can see Vince walking down a hallway by himself, scalpel in hand, as if somehow that will protect him. And so, Vince, the hallway that you're walking down has been painted with a mural, one on each side. And the murals are shifting and moving as you look at them and as you move down this hallway. And on one side, on your left, you see the Little Sisters of Mercy Hospital, hospice wing. It's almost like you're walking in. You can see the peeling linoleum from the staff room. You see this long, endless hallway of, of doors. And as you keep going, you can see the doors swinging open. And there's these hospital beds. And you see, oh, there, there's Mr. Perkins back when he was still with you. And, and there's that that teenage kid with leukemia, Carson, that was his name. And, and you just see patients and you see nurses moving in and out. You see a shadow that could be you moving in and out. And you can almost hear the low hum of voices and machinery, the electric beeping that's keeping these people alive for the moment. And on the other side, on, on the right-hand wall, as you're moving down this hallway, you see what look like a, a bunch of Tremere, as far as you can tell. Old-fashioned Tremere wearing their long frock coats or their robes or whatever they feel like wearing. They're, there's blood in vials and containers, and they all appear to be working on something. And you see oh, there's Phoebe, the Tremere whip. You see her working methodically on a living kine draining their blood bit by bit and experimenting with it. There's Karen. She appears to be leading some kind of cult. There's a bunch of humans all in, in long white robes and just playing in the sunshine. And then a split second later, as you move down the hallway, there's just bodies all around her. And she looks younger and more youthful. And you see all of these images, and both of them are coming into your brain at the same time as you move down this hallway. You've got your human life 
in the hospital. You've got the Tremere side of things with your your now dead sire. Everything is all just kind of meddling together in your brain. They're fighting each other almost, and it makes your head hurt. And the last thing you see as you reach the end of this hallway is Karen, this painting of Karen turning to look at you as her face begins to melt and drip down to the floor and a puddle of paint at your feet. Oh, I don't appreciate that. I, I wouldn't think so. And then you reach the room at the end of this hallway and you see this painting of your sire as her face melts off. This painting kind of moves into the room with you. And you see that there's what looks like an altar set in the middle of the room. And you see this image of this painting moving up towards it and then bursting into flame as you watch. And you can almost smell again the acrid smoke and burning flesh from when you were in Karen's home just a few nights ago. And once that image has disappeared, you see beyond what looks like a mirror, maybe, or a window, is this altar. And it has a book on it. It looks like a very, very old tome. It's the one Phoebe was looking at in the mural, actually. As far as you can tell, it's got the same gold clasps and the beautiful etched leather. It's just sitting there on this on this altar, this pedestal. And then you hear a muffled sob and you look to your left and there's another window and you see a middle-aged woman. She looks like she's maybe a secretary or something. She's wearing a, a nice gray suit and ropes of pearls, probably fake. She's got her hair pulled up in a bun. She's sitting in a chair and she's got an IV in her arm. She's been zip-tied to the chair and she's crying. And there's a box in front of you in this room with two buttons. One red, one black. And you hear that voice all around the room as you take this in. I see. All right, so first up, of course, Vince. Vince, you were always very interesting to me, see? Young vampires, um, especially when they're first brought into a clan, tend to be babied, nurtured, and taught. Taught so much. It's an inrush of information, and yet you were abandoned. You were left alone, moved away from the clan, separated, if you will, as if you weren't someone important enough. See, every clan has an obligation that when they embrace someone, they are educated, they are taught. And the corruption of the Tremere is that those that seem less, those that seem not what they intended, are cast aside rather than marked and perfected. Art does not always present itself 
perfect the first time you see it. If you work it over and over again, it becomes perfect. It becomes that vision you had when you started. So, with all that being said, Vince, your room is quite simple, really. On the left, you see the victim. She worked in your hospital. I don't know if you recognize her. It's unimportant, I'm sure. But connected into that IV is sulfuric acid. Um, You press the red button, and of course, the sulfuric acid drip will begin, uh, and she will expire in front of you. Horrible, terrible death, all of that. Yes, 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 yes. We're all all sad. But on the right is the Tremere Tome uh, that I acquired not very long ago. Uh, You see, when you've been around for as long as I have, you learn who to go and talk to, who to poke and prod, who can be enticed to relinquish the location of sacred research tomes and such. So, with all that being said, Vince, I want to see something. Are you truly Tremere? Do you still hold to that humanity? that side of you because the vampires haven't had the chance to corrupt you yet. Haven't had the chance to teach you what it is to be a Tremere. So please show us what is more important. You know, I didn't know any of the, well, except for Sandy, but I didn't know any of the people that I've killed, so this makes this a lot more difficult. <laughs> um, that's That's definitely Sally over there, isn't it? It's not Sally. It's oh. another uh, another woman who worked in the hospital. It's someone else you you've seen. She worked in the filing room. But I don't know her personally. You hear a, a crying from from that side of the room. I have kids. I have kids. Please let me go. They're at home by themselves. Please let me go. I won't tell anybody. So he looks at the buttons, and he, um, on one hand, Vince is like, well, I mean, letting her die for, what, to prove a point about me? That's kind of, that's a waste. That's a waste of life. That's a waste of blood. On the other hand, that book would give me the ability to fuck with Phoebe Van Ness. And that's kind of a big deal. Vince is really agonizing over this. He's like, people die every day. She's just another person killed by a weird serial killer in San Francisco. To be honest, her she's middle-aged. She doesn't have that much long left, I mean, compared to me. I mean, I've got eternity ahead of me. I'm gonna fuck with Phoebe Van Ness whenever I can for the rest of eternity. And it's the thought of that, the thought of her blue eyes as she threatened Vince and threatened his bloodline and all her little jabs about Karen. And yeah, just thinking of all that, he just pushes the black button for the book. So are you sure you want to push the black button? Yeah, Vince actually is like, uh, a question real quick. I got a little distracted in some of the details. Um, can you explain... Three, two things. Uh, one, how do you do the thing with the paintings? And two, which button does which again? Oh, that, those are very interesting questions. 
to the first question, I will say, what are you willing to give up to gain the ability to do that? Would you be willing to learn? But to the second, if you press the black button, the black button will keep the tome safe and uh, the woman will die. If you press the red button, it will start the IV drip. And when her heart stops, uh, well, you will have access to the book and to the key that will let you out. If you if you press the red button, uh, the uh, oh, oh, this is so exciting. Uh, the book will be set on fire, special fire, mind you, you know, kind that can destroy nice magical tomes. I've removed all of the protective warnings and such. Those were so so annoying. Uh, and you will be given the key, and the woman will be released safe and sound back into society. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I'm not actually all that interested in learning how, how to do it. I just wanted to know how. I wanted to just get an idea. Like, is, is it blood sorcery that, that does the paint? Well, uh, when you come and visit me, hopefully, if you all make it, uh, then you will at least see how it's done in a manner of speaking. I'll see you soon. And he just presses the black button. <laughs> so you, s the rest of you all see Vince go up and push the large black button. And then you hear screaming from this human woman who you can't see. You just hear the screaming. But Vince, you see it. You see the IV liquid beginning to drip into the tube connected to her arm. And you can feel her panic and her pain as the acid begins to burn into her veins and destroy her from the inside. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I really should have um, clouded her mind so she wasn't fucking sensible for this. So you watch until there's very little left of her as the acid just eats away at her body until the screams finally stop and she melts into a puddle and there's a loud echo of applause around the room and you see this mirror or this window drop and there is a book, a tome, waiting on a pedestal for you. And on top of it is a piece of a key. Let's we'll, uh, pick up the key piece, put it in a pocket. And uh, yeah, this tome is going to be useful in the long run. So you take the tome and the key and you walk back down that hallway as the paint slides to the floor around you no mural anymore and you can still smell the burning blood and acid behind you but you can exit out the door back to the room Vince just comes out and he's like he can make the paint look like stuff he can do magic moving pictures they're deeply personal and he knows things about us that I don't know how he knows oh yeah we watched the whole thing now. a what? Like, old Vince comes back to the front, and he's like, wait, you, you saw all that? Yeah. Oh, shit, oh, okay. Um. All right, yeah, well, I got a piece of a key, so fucking do with that what you will. And you see the paint on the door that said Vincent 
shifts and now says Alex. Ugh. Excellent. I will uh, walk up and kick the door. You kick the door open and you head in. The door closes behind you and again, all of you see this sort of one-way mirror effect as they close the door behind them. And Alex, as you're moving down this this hallway, you have one mural covering the walls around you. And it starts off looking fairly heavenly. It's bright clouds, your typical human idea of what or depiction of what heaven looks like. And then you see the angels emerging from the pearly gates. And these are your biblical angels, not the marble-faced, blonde, winged figures with harps, but your multi-winged, multi-footed, multi-eyed, multi-faced creatures of eldritch horror flying out of these pearly gates and diving down towards the planet below of Earth. And as you move down the hallway you see these falling angels as they drift down towards humanity become twisted. You see their faces begin to turn ashy as parts of them burn away. You see their limbs begin to twist and buckle. Their wings turn an unholy flame color and begin to fall as the feathers drift away. And by the time you get to the end of the room, they are not recognizable as their holy forms anymore. And in your room, Alex, you find strapped down to a table in front of you is a beautiful woman. She's a supermodel. Looks like probably Victoria's secret angel of some kind with flawless proportions according to modern standards of beauty. Big dark eyes, long curly hair, and she is completely naked and strapped down to this table. And then across from you, behind some kind of window, you see another woman and she is the antithesis of the one in front of you on the table. She's missing an eye. Her lip is curled up towards her nose as if she was in a terrible accident and her face has been stretched and pulled. She has cauliflower ears. Her hands are both missing fingers she only has one leg and there is a horrific mass of scars along her torso and and chest and you can't quite get to her and on the table with this beautiful Victoria's secret angel in front of you is an array of surgical tools. And then you hear the voice. 
Excellent, excellent. Ah, Alex, 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 Alex. I was particularly fascinated with you, for uh, your bloodline is very interesting. A descendant of Michael, an angel. Those who hold that beauty on the outside is king. But you see, Alex, I've seen that outside and inside sometimes are different, sometimes are the same. But in this particular instance, I think you would find that the beautiful one is in the other room. The woman there suffered greatly over the years. But interestingly enough, she has a long history of charity work, a long history of helping those who have been in pain, running therapy groups, so on and so forth. The lady in front of you, meanwhile, has spent all of her money on things to pleasure herself. Is violent and vile in person. And yet, society would tell us that this is the most beautiful woman. Well, I think that as someone who is a descendant of Michael, you would appreciate that why, if we match their outsides, maybe their insides will match as well. So, to you, I give a simple task. You see before you all of the surgical implements that would be needed in order to do uh, surgery that would alter one's appearance. Uh, you must keep the model alive, and you must match them exactly. Make the model look like the woman in the other room. Make them twins, Alex. Let's see whether or not your blood is strong enough to keep you from doing that. Okay. It's going to be rough, but the one thing that's been underestimated is how much I care about Eddie. So, I will do my best. Everything in you, Alex, is screaming against this this desecration of beauty. It horrifies you to be in this room to begin with, to have to constantly look back at something that your bloodline tells you is an abomination. And I'm also going to make sure that the other woman the, the not pretty one uh, is like I'm looking at them letting them know it's their fault you are absolutely making intense eye contact with this other person fueling your own revulsion at what you're doing into them they feel every bit of loathing as you begin your work and I'm not going to make you roll here. You have the model in front of you. You have your own determination, but it hurts you. It is physically painful to you to do this. If I have to stop and throw up, I will. I I will do what it needs to what I need to do to save Eddie. The rest of you see Alex cutting up this beautiful woman. You see them inflicting scars 
removing fingers, removing an eye. And you do see them throw up at least twice. Because even though they've, they're no stranger to death, inflicting desecration like this is painful. And at last you step back, Alex, fairly satisfied with your work. You've done the best you possibly can. And you hear the applause echoing through the room. And the model has long since passed out. But as you finish and the applause fills the room, that window drops away and there is a key hanging around the twin's neck. Rather piece of a key. I will walk up to them and I will yank the key off of her neck. And I'll lean in real close and tell her, it doesn't matter how much charity you do. It doesn't matter how much good you think you're doing. It doesn't matter. And I'll turn around and walk out. <laughs> oh, Alex returns down the hallway. Again, the paint is sliding off the walls and pooling at your feet. But you exit back into this main room with another piece of the key. And you hear the sobbing and the tears of pain from behind you. Yeah, I'm probably just gritting my teeth and breathing heavily, even though I don't have to, but... And Alex has emerged. And as the door slams shut, the paint again shifts in the name from Alex to Katarina. I will walk forward and open the door. You open the door... You do, you, do you say anything to anybody or do you just march off? No, I just go in. Okay. You go in. The door closes. Again, the one-way mirror. And you move down this hallway, Katarina. And you see what looks like a, a bunch of Toreadors along the wall, almost in a, a Grecian style of painting, playing on a lyre or sculpting, baking drawing all these beautiful pieces of art that the the Toreador have created over the centuries but you start to see cracks and flaws as you move down the hallway that painting has turned to ash the sculpture has cracks in the base all of them are breaking, shattering, corrupted. And you see that these Toreadors beginning to lose their focus on their art. You see them running amok across the world, leaving devastation in their wake. And then you see yourself at the very end of this hallway. And you see a vampire you know very well sinking his teeth into your throat as you try to push him away. And that's the last thing that you see in this hallway before you enter the room. Your hands are shaking perhaps a little bit. You're fighting the anger and the stress and the anxiety of everything. And in front of you, you see 
off in one corner, there's a pile of exsanguinated corpses. Five or six humans. They've been bled dry. You can see rusty cooking implements, a mixer, a whisk, half-broken-down old stove. You can smell the stench of rotten eggs and spoiled milk. You see a half-spilled bag of flour with moths flitting in and out of it. The smell is overwhelming. But you hear some instructions for you, Katarina. Katarina. Well, what can, what can one say about the pastries that you can get at your bakery? It's only unfortunate that you were so forcibly embraced into our clan, or what was my clan. But uh, have no fear, because, see, I came to a personal understanding of the corruption of the Toreador and had to leave. For those who loved beauty and bled art, they seemed so short-sighted at the unugliness that rested in each of them. And to that point, I saw many of their art flawed because of it. So, Katarina, this room is personal to me in that where I have had to learn how to make my art through the use of corrupted materials when I was in Toreador, let's see whether or not you can do it as well. I hear you are a baker of the finest quality, that there is no vampire who doesn't go to you. You have all of the materials you need. Give me a cake. So the first thing I'm going to do is uh, turn on that oven and see how well it works. It's old and it's rusty and pieces of it are falling off, but it, it gets some heat. It'll probably be a bake a bit unevenly, but you think you can do something with it. Listen, that's what rotating the pan is for. Do I have sugar? You do. There appear to be do some kind butter? of worms in it. Yes. It's rancid, but it's there. Oh, do I have a sifter? A very rusty one with some large gaps in it. Well, that's not helpful. No, but it it's there. And I need a bowl. Oh, wait, no, I have a mixer. You have a mixer. It's one of those old 1950s hand ones, and it's very rusty, but you have one. You also have a, a nice vial of very old-looking blood. Presumably Perhaps. from the corpses. Probably. But it's there. So there's uh, one question I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this disembodied voice. How big of a cake am I required to make you? Oh, oh! I wouldn't presume to intrude on your artistic vision. Make one that you think should represent exactly what you wanted to. So I'm gonna put I'm gonna I'm gonna do an all-in-one method, which basically means I'm going to put all of my ingredients together in one in one thing, and if I have to mix by hand, that's not a problem. I've done that for years. And I wait for the batter to come together, 
and I have a cake pan that's been, you know, I've put some butter in it and I put flour in it to help get it to come out. And I put that in the oven and I wait for it to start baking. It hurts you to do this, Katerina. You, you almost sort of have to section off part of your brain, compartmentalize, which you're pretty good at doing, but it's, it's harder when you're so hungry and when you didn't sleep last night. It's, it's very difficult just using these ingredients and the smells and you know it's not going to live up to your standards of what a cake should be. It hurts as you put this cake in the oven. So the only other question that I have is, do I have any other ingredients as far as fruits or chocolate or something like that? There's some spoiled looking strawberries with mold growing on them in a small basket. And you have your sugar and some very spoiled looking milk. Fantastic. Um, do I have powdered sugar as well as granulated sugar? There's some. While that's cooking, I'm going to... Oh, it hurts me inside. I'm going to throw together a buttercream just enough to do the top of the cake after it comes out. And it's going to be a little bit of butter and it's going to be some powdered sugar just so it incorporates better and it won't be grainy. And I pour just enough milk to make it spreadable. And I go and look in the oven and adjust the pan and make sure that it's cooking. And I will tend to it until it's about 75% of the way cooked. And I'll pull it out. And I will cut just like in general, just kind of little lines and that's when I put the blood in and put it back into the oven and let it finish cooking. And I pull it out, let it rest for a few minutes, take it out of the pan and then flip it back over and I let it cool. I wait, you know, 20 minutes or so for it to cool. I put this thinner buttercream on top and just strawberries around the edge and I'm done it churns your stomach the smell and just how awful it looks but you did it and there's applause excellent excellent thank you very much I just have one question uh, how does it taste would you mind sampling it for me and telling me what the flavor profile would be I wouldn't want to misadvertise such an incredible creation. So, I will cut, like, the tiniest piece out of it. And I'll look at it. And there's a, there's a nice curve of the blood that goes through it. How, how the vampires feed, anyway, when they buy things from the bakery. And I'll eat, like, half of the piece. I'm not going to really chew... I'm just going to kind of swallow it as much as I can, kind of in one motion. You didn't think you really had much of a gag reflex anymore. You do. Yep. 
You feel it choking you as it goes down your throat. Yeah, I'm just going to choke it down. It'll be fine. Well, it needs more sugar and some vanilla extract in order to taste better, but it could be worse. More sugar and vanilla extract. Got it, got it, got it. Perfect. Thank you so much for your review. And some paint falls away from above these corpses, revealing another piece of key hanging above them. I will grab that piece of key and I'll pick up the cake and smash it on the floor and walk out. You all see Katarina smash this cake into the floor and stomp out. You have never seen this much of a reaction from our usually calm and collected Toreador. I mean, my memory goes back to a, a, uh, a container where she had a very strong reaction, but sure. This is actual loss of control. She reined herself in in the shipping container. Other Rom is still here. That's proof of proof of it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I just about yeah. I was about to agree with Marcus. So my question is, does Rom flinch like just by yeah seeing it? Just ooh. Rom has been sitting in a corner since he saw what Vince went through, and is doing their best to focus and meditate because seeing what Vince went through he feels like he already knows what's coming and Katarina comes out of the hallway with a bit of a flower on your on your uh, tunic so the door slams shut yeah who's holding the key pieces I've just got mine Uh, I think everyone's holding their own piece so far should probably try and put them together, huh? I'm going to hand my piece to Vince. So, Vince, you now have two pieces. Oh, boy. Going to start trying to put them together. Little Tremere puzzle brains at work. <laughs> I don't care. I got a book and I'm putting together a puzzle. It's great. <laughs> and I'm going to punch the nearest fucking wall because I am mad. But you see Katarina calmly hand the piece of the key to Vince and then whirl around and smash her fist into the wall. And then I turn back around and lean against the wall and I look considerably more composed. And at this point, the the sign on the door now says Rom slash Joshua? Question mark. I take it somebody tells me this. Because I am, I I have not been paying yes. attention to the door anymore. Oh yeah, totally turn around to me. You're up, Rum. All right. I go ahead and unfold my legs and stand up and dust myself off, and I walk through. So again, the door closes. You can all see Rom walking down this hallway. I assume you're still wearing flip flops. No, at this point, I can be barefoot. Okay, so Rom has left his shoes and is walking barefoot down this hall. So, Rom, you see images on the walls alongside you, as you would expect from having watched others go through this, and you see what looks like uh, a Zen circle on one side. You see trees and nature and earth, and you can almost hear... Bird song 
It reminds you a little bit of, of your days among the living. And you see vampires and humans walking together in the twilight as you begin to move down this hallway and the scene changes. And then you see everything begin to fall apart as you see some of these human figures are driving stakes into the vampires that they were holding hands with just a moment before you see vampires ripping the throats out of humans who had been sitting at their feet and listening to them talk. You just see carnage and chaos and blood as you move through this ever-darkening hall. And you reach your room and you see on one side at the back wall there are three humans. You don't recognize them. You don't know who they are. uh, But they're all fairly young looking in their early 20s maybe Uh, they're all fairly healthy looking and they're covered in what looks like a a clear sort of paint seems to be holding them against the wall and you see what looks like a tube in each of the arteries in their necks and you see blood going up through a tube into the wall and there's some kind of, of mural there depicting the the cycle of reincarnation behind them. And on the left side of this mural, wide-eyed in terror is Preeti. You see her wearing her, her sari. She's got bare feet. Her hair is must. She looks absolutely terrified. She's got duct tape over her mouth. She's also covered in this clear paint, and you see a tube as well in her neck, the blood flowing out. Preeti, are you okay? <laughs> no, of course, that makes sense. I'm gonna look around the room to see if there was a reaction before I would try to, like, remove any tape over a mouth. I, of course, would pause if I was given any indication that that was a bad idea. So wrong. Now, of of all of the people that I've interacted with in in the years, Malkavians have always been interesting to me. Different philosophies, different ideas. Very, very inspiring people. But there was one philosophy I just never quite got. It, It really kind of bothered me. And the more that I learned about it, the more confused I was. Because you see, as someone who's been around for as long as we tend to live, you know, you've come across different philosophies, different ideas, and you never can quite answer them. I came across one just the other day, actually. And knowing your ideas, knowing your philosophies, I thought you would be the perfect one to answer the question. It's its a logic problem uh, and a philosophy problem in equal measure. Uh, have you heard of it? The trolley problem. In the incident of, uh, in this particular incident, it's really quite simple. On the left, you have someone very near and dear to your heart. You know her well and you care for her. But in your philosophy, correct me if I'm wrong, but all lives are equal. Correct? That's what you preach is that we should all live together and that all life is the same. 
on your right, you have three individuals, each of them healthy, each of them young, each of them a full life ahead of them. You will see the lines that are connecting them into the wall. Now, it's really quite simple. Your job, Brom, is to balance the room. You can get to the lines, but you cannot get to the people themselves. The paint, of course, holds them firmly in place. The lines, um, of course, will be able to be penetrated by your fangs. Now, Brom, really, the situation's quite easy. Which side of the room do you drain completely of blood? Tell us which side of the trolley, or rather, which group is hit by the trolley? You have done a fantastic job of analyzing the fears and motivations of each member of this group. But I am afraid in this one situation you have made a minor miscalculation. See, I know you have likely heard me or heard someone who knows me refer to my ghouls as my tribe. And at the core of the concept of tribalism is the concept of those that are in and those that are other. I'm sorry to disappoint you if you thought this would be a difficult problem for me to solve. And then Rom will do whatever is necessary to make sure that Preeti is safe. So, Rom, you stretch and you look between the two sides and you bare your fangs and Preeti starts to shake. She's never seen you like this before, losing your calm, losing your focus this way as your eyes are starting to turn slightly red. And then you in a single motion bound forward and you sink your teeth, your fangs into these tubes on the other side and you begin draining these three people completely dry. And there is blood all over your face dribbling down your shirt. You are almost wild at this moment, slightly feral as you do this. And the rest of you see this side of Rom that you've never really seen before. You knew it existed, but you've never quite seen it. This ferocity and the blood splattering everywhere. And Preeti is whimpering and crying behind the duct tape. But you do drain them until they collapse, the paint falls away, and the bodies just sort of hang there limply. And that applause echoes around the room. 
when the applause dies down, I say to the room, if your attempt was to separate me from my sense of humanity, then you must know that there are few things more human than a sense of one's tribe. And then I walk out. And the paint holding Preeti drops away. And you see a piece of key hanging around her neck as she collapses to the ground and passes out. She'll be fine. Do you take her with you as you leave the room? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so you pick her up and carry her out of the room. She's still unconscious, and the rest of you see a very bloody Rom carrying this petite Indian girl out into the main room. I'm just going to sit down, and I'll just hold her, and I'll wait, because I know that we're not done. I'll stand next to Ram and put my hand on his shoulder. And I'll have a look at Preeti, just, you know, something I can do for him. Yeah, no, I trust those two. Yeah. And the paint on the door shifts again, and to no one's surprise, it reads, Marcus. Fantastic. I step forward, walk in the door. Okay. So you walk through the door. Again, it closes. Again, the rest of you can see this. And the images on the walls here as you walk down this hallway, Marcus, are very familiar to you. But they're from a time you try not to think about too much. As you see the long bridges and pathways of Pinnacle Park in Santa Rosa. You've been here. It was a particularly bloody time in 1998. And as you have that thought, that recognition of where you are, you see shadowy representations of what look like gangrel prowling along these paths in half transformation, full transformation. You see what looks like Luther. At least there's his trademark fedora. No coat, but the fedora is still there. Half transformed into a panther as he jumps from one path to another. And you see this one particularly nasty coterie of sabbat come crawling out of the hills. And you can can almost feel yourself back in this place. You lost a lot of good people here. Several of Luther's clan siblings died in this particular battle. It was brutal, it was violent, and it brought things out of you that you prefer to forget. And you see Luther leaping forward, ripping apart a Sabbat vampire. The blood spurts across the door, across the hall, across the floor. And you find yourself in the room. And in this room, you see five figures frozen in time. And they are all holding poses like the Sabbat figures you saw on the mural. But these 
are not Sabat. These are... There's Harv. There's Ted. There's Polly. These are people from your office, Marcus. Your union office workers. I don't see Marie, thankfully. She's she's not here. But these others, you know them. And they are frozen in place. They don't appear able to move except for their eyes. And their eyes blinking over at you in fear and panic and terror. And there's a pool of paint dripping towards the floor. And you see it begin to rise and coalesce. And and you all see from behind, you see a figure rising up. Dark trousers, a leather jacket, big burly arms from the back. Marcus, you see an eye opening at the back of the neck. And this figure turns and smiles fairly at you. Long barbs of bone growing out of its arms. And you all see Marcus looking back at you. As you come face to face with yourself. Or rather, the Scourge. Now Marcus, I am a fan. From one artist to another. Well, my uh, particular vehicle for expressing my art is paint. Yours is in brutality and in violence. It is said that the Sabbat never recovered from encountering the scourge on the hills. Quite simply, I want to see a recreation. I want to see that ferocity out of you, Marcus. And what better person to bring it out of you within yourself? The group on the outside of this of this room uh, will not be a problem and will be perfectly safe as long as you play ball. But if you don't, um, your opponent, you know, was fairly feral at the time of this particular scene. And... These poor people may suffer if not properly entertained. Good luck. The scourge smiles at you, baring its fangs and crouches. I smile. The best part of this is I know me. Well, you're the scourge, right? Get on with it. The other you cocks his head arches his back and he whirls around and with those spikes growing out of his arm slashes one of the five frozen figures in half you see the top half of the body falling falling away from the lower half and the body collapses I I move into action what do you do Uh, so my plan will be to it's a room right box mm-hmm. essentially essentially yes so yeah my, my plan is to um grab because the scourge will see me coming which is fine um i'm faster than i was at that age so again good luck and um i'm gonna i'm gonna use the strength and um power in this uh slightly older form 
to grab uh, the scourge by the back of the head with one hand, right hand, and with left hand, push them bodily completely through the wall. So I'm going to use myself as a weapon to break out of the room. And if I have to break my own neck to do it, so be it. Very well. So I am going to make you roll for this. Certainly. So you're brawl, going to eh? yes, you're going to give me brawl, and you're going to give me strength, and I'm yep. going to roll for the scourge. So I have seven successes with two tens. Okay, so tens multiply, adding an extra two, so you have nine successes here. Uh, so you do get raked across the chest by one of these these bone spurs, essentially, as you mm-hmm. grab the grab the creature and you throw him at the wall and he dissolves into a splatter of paint and reforms. Ooh. Upgrades. And he snarls and bears his fangs again and he is going to jump on you. Oh, good. And try to stab you in the gut with his bone spurs. He got five tens here, so good luck. Very good luck. Are you attempting to dodge or are you fighting back to use Cthulhu terms? <laughs> uh, no, I think I think brawl is probably going to be the best okay. method. So get, give me your brawl and strength again. Five tens is pretty uh, insurmountable. But yeah, we'll have to see, eh? That's 12 successes total. Mm-hmm. Yep, I hear you. I have some tens here now, too. So, so I have seven here. Um, I'm going to spend a willpower. Okay. With seven in the bank. Um, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, um, fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. So, with this, he is going to get you through the gut with pretty powerful strength. It is excruciatingly painful, but it's nothing that you can't live with quite literally Uh, and as you feel your own blood pouring across your shirt but you do actually punch your fist through his chest and as you punch your fist through his chest you can feel some of that kind of staticky feeling that the others described feeling in Vince's room you can feel that sort of staticky power fizzle Ooh. and you rip a large chunk out of this thing's torso it is still fl- flailing at you but I'm doubling I'm doubling down I'm pulling my like if I've got him half half for even the, the slightest second um, my left hand is going in over my wrist and I'm pulling for his heart okay. I want it all so your left hand crashes into its chest and all of you see Marcus battling a like a an enhanced version of himself you see him getting stabbed by this other version and then you see him driving his fist into this other him's chest and you see him pull out a heart and Marcus you can almost feel it beating just for a split second and then your fist closes around it and it explodes in a shower of paint. And you find yourself holding a key. Well, well. 
I step towards the people in the office. The frozen aspect of them, this black paint has fallen away, leaving puddles on the floor. And the four of them who are left just collapse. So I'll uh, stack them up like cordwood, given my potence, and I'll drag every single one of them out. You hear the applause echoing around the room as you drag the four of them out through the hallway and into this main room, slamming the door behind you. I uh, set them down carefully. We now have five pieces of a key. Vince? Let's put this key together. Vince just holds open his hand for the for the piece. And he's just like, can I please? I, I still have my piece and I'm like, so we thought the totally insane Tremere was the one that should hold the key? I'm perfectly sane. What are you talking about? You didn't see yourself in that basement, but here you go. <laughs> he's just putting it together. He's like, I was just very enthusiastic about my work. I, I think you can understand what that's like. I mean, as he's, his hands are just doing <laughs> work and just testing pieces, and he's just like, look, we all get caught up in things sometimes. Hmm. The pieces of the key all fit together, and there is a click as everything resolves into a key that looks suspiciously like it'll fit the lock on the other door. So Vince has a look at all our kind and he's like, so um, what are you going to do with them? I snatch it up. <laughs> the key. <laughs> oh, okay. Talk later. So are you opening the door, Marcus? Yeah, you're goddamn right. <laughs> all right. So Marcus grabs the key, shoves it into the door, and the door slides open. I'm right behind Marcus. So the five of you walk into this next hallway. It's very dark and you hear that annoying voice taunting you as you move down this hallway. It's interesting. When you start to see the corruption that infests vampire society as a whole and it sickens me and yet nobody else seems to care nobody else seems to want to do something about it and it crushed my artistic talent i couldn't hardly operate while under that strain and so i ended up traveling a bit and i found salvation in egypt of all places and once I was there, once I was shown, well, I had to make a ministry of my own to come and share the good word. Of course, it helps when you've been invited. So as, he, as this voice is talking, you see this, the pictures on the wall, this shadowy figure looking at at death and destruction and you see the Camarilla from Chicago sitting in one place, you see the Camarilla in Italy in another place just talking, talking and doing absolutely nothing and you see people dying and the world turning dark and you see the shadowy figure just moving through it painting pictures as he goes until at the very end you see him kneeling on sand outside of an ancient temple speaking to a giant serpent 
in the in the sand as he rises up and up and up and you reach this door at the end and as you move through the doorway you see above the door surrounding it is very egyptian style painting these bright vivid colors and this very pyramid-esque uh drawing and it looks to those of you who who know the occult or egyptology at all it, it looks almost like the final judgment of a human after death where anubis weighs the heart against the feather of truth and if it's heavier than the feather it gets eaten by a crocodile if it's lighter they go to the afterlife but you see this anatomically correct human heart but it's being gripped in the jaws of a giant shark that is trying to pull it off of the scales. And instead of a feather of Ma'at, you see the ankh of the Camarilla. And the heart is heavier than this ankh of the Camarilla as it's being dragged off by this massive shark. And you see what should be Anubis standing guard over this. And instead you see a god maybe you don't recognize it's the head of a sheep instead of the jackal head of Anubis just watching and then the image disappears as you move through the doorway and you find yourself in this perhaps final room there's again this kind of clear paint sort of rippling down in two different places you can smell blood heavier here and death and decay, and you see all around you human bodies in various stages of dismemberment. Some of them have had their intestines ripped out, others are displayed the way the ritual serial killer's victims were, the ones that you found, Marcus. Some of them have, looks like they've had limbs very carefully removed. Some of them are just missing eyes and tongues. There's a good dozen of them in here scattered around the room in various stages of decay. And up ahead of you, you see two scenes. On the one hand to the right, behind this paint curtain, shimmering paint curtain, you see five figures. And they are on their knees, their hands are stretched above them, chained to the ceiling. They're covered in paint of various different colors. They're absolutely drenched in it. They all appear to have some kind of card around their necks, each one of them. And you know these people. Marcus, you see Greg kneeling there, swaying back and forth slightly. He appears to be unconscious. Katarina, you see Ray Ray there, paint all over his jeans, trailing down the open v-neck of his shirt. He also appears to be unconscious, which is probably a mercy. Vince, you see Sally. Her long blonde hair is out of its normal po- ponytail and it's tangled and covered in green paint. Alex, there's Eddie slumping forward he's 
much paler than usual. His clothes are torn. There's a cut along his face. And Rom, you see Eric. All of his tattoos vibrant with the paint splattered around them. His red hair is tangled and disheveled, and he also appears to be unconscious. And on the other side, behind a similar paint curtain, you see... Dima. Who do we see? Describe him for us, Anthony. So, Damascus, or uh, by his... You know, the name that's easier to pronounce, Dima, stands up, his hands open wide, eyes gleaming in joy, as the five of you step into the room. He's about five foot eleven, hundred and eighty pounds, in very, very good shape. He has a smile of perfect white teeth and skin that is perfectly pale. In any other setting, he would be a gorgeous supermodel, uh, one that would fit very nicely into the clan of Toreador. His eyes, though, are a piercing, almost unnatural green. And while the rest of his body shows joy, there's a calculating, almost piercing stare that's coming out of that face as he looks at the five of you. The only other thing of particular interest is his clothing. He's wearing a perfectly tailored Italian suit made of material that you've never seen before, and it seems to shift in color. And as you watch it, it's shifting from red to green to blue to different shades of color you've never even seen or imagined before repeating the process. And he walks up and and is in the back towards the wall of this room. He smiles at you all and goes, "Ah, thank you all for coming. I worked so hard on each of your art exhibits. I'm very proud of them. Some of my finest work, I must admit, makes you really think, makes you really dig into the essence of what it means to be a vampire in today's society. But before I get ahead of myself, the rules of your final room. It's really quite simple. On the left, over there, are that which I took from you. Little worse for wear, but I never did lay a finger on them, and I promise that I swear it. On whichever god you deem necessary. However, they are a little banged up, you know, rough to get them in place and such, so I, I, I decided to sweeten the pot just a little bit. Um, on their necks, as you can see, are five cards. Those five cards are correspondence between me and my employer. For you see, I cannot enter a city unless invited. I can't enter a building unless invited. But once I am invited under a set series of terms, I am given free reign to spread my message. 
I figured that would be interesting, interesting and, you know, settle the score. For you see, I know that there are a series of people here who would love to see me dead. So the rules, as they are. The five of you each have a choice which room to walk into. However, this is kind of an all-or-nothing deal. So if even one of you enters the room with me, all five of the individuals on the other side will die. And you will watch them die. But if all five of you enter the room, the room will seal itself and I will leave. Once I get about an hour away, the control that I have over my paint fades. It's got a got a range limit, you know. And it will fall away and you all be you will all be free to walk away. So the choice really comes down to this. What's more important to you? Satiating your revenge? Or the humans you love? So um it's Joseph, right? Joseph, Technicolor Dreamcoat. That's phenomenal, by the way. I didn't get shit from your art, to be perfectly honest. The message you transmitted to all of us, really, is that you're just another upset about asshole. So, like, really, man, you missed the mark here. You can bitch about the Camarilla corruption, but uh, depending on what circles you ask, which is most of them, being a follower of Set is corrupt in and of itself. However... And I'm, like, turning to everybody else. We all know I have ways of finding things. I have ways of getting what I want. So, I suggest he can live to fight another day. Unless you are willing to upset somebody here. It's a really good question. It's just kind of like, I mean, we're all, none of us have lifespans. We have forever to get you. <laughs> like, I'll figure out your fucking paint trick, and then I will kill you. <laughs> I just have forever to do it. I don't need it now. Next time you won't have Sally. She'll probably be dead by the time that comes up. She'll just aged. Or I'll collect enough information to get one of your other enemies to come and get you for me. I mean, it's not like it's that hard. I'm sure you don't have a lot of friends. I just want to get one thing straight. Just just one. Just one. He's, he's what, across the room, something like that? He's across the room behind a sheer paint curtain. You left the Sabbat for the ministry? Holy <laughs> fuck, man. Toreador. Toreador. I left the Toreador for the ministry. Oh, oh, right. Toreador, the ministry. And that's because the Toreador couldn't put up with all of this um, paint blood bullshit, right? Like, like the, 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 this art form was way too, way too out of school for them, right? I, I've been to some serious, crazy Toreador parties in my day. This is, I don't know, it seems a little, tep- seems a little tepid. I think you could do better. And I think that's my biggest concern is that you could do better. Rum, don't you think he can improve his life? I'm always for self-improvement. I also think, you know, preaching about leaving Toreador 
for the same reason that Toreador has been a problem from day one is all the infighting. You're just proving your point. They are the reason that Constantinople fell because you guys cannot get along and all you do is fight and burn everything good to the ground. But I will find you. So do not worry. I want to know how Katarina's responding to all of this. Well, despite Alex's comments, as a former Toreador, you are pathetic. It simply means that you do not have the skills to impress the rest of the clan. And that is why you left. I am not only unimpressed, but if it was worth it, I would take you down right now. Because you are so uninspired. But it's not worth it. No, it's it's not worth it. Because you, you are complete trash. Well, to answer each of you in turn, or rather, to just summarize it all in one, first off, your assumption that I don't have friends. Uh, Again, I point out the fact that I have to be invited, and in specific, I have to be hired. So someone not only asked for me, they brought me here. They wanted me here. Yeah, no, no shit, Sherlock. We, we got that. We, we, fig- we figured that out. Right? We, we, that's not hard. That's not hard, right? So so go. So go. Wait. We're going to take wait. what we, we, we've got here. No, it's it's Marcus, fine, Rob. It, it, it's who okay. is it? Uh, well, f- I'm, he said that there's cards on our respective people. Um, it, I can be hired to do my job and... I know that most people don't like me, and frankly, I, you know, do what I do. Right. So, we're going to take our exit, right? I'm certain that we'll catch up with you at some point. It will be quite painful. And it will last an awfully, awfully long time. And then, when we're done with you in this life... Alex Giovanni will get you in the next. And that, my friend, will be even more fucking painful. I walk into the room. I'm going to collect Eddie. I don't say another word. I'm going to go get Ray Ray. Man, Eric is going to be heavy. I'll give you a hand with him. Uh, by the way, uh, before you before you go, um, I call a plumber to come out to my house sometimes. He's not my friend. And I just walk in to pick up Sally. <laughs> yeah, that's a, um, I pick up Greg. Well, you, you can't quite get to them. You can't quite get to them yet. You go over to the paint and you start pushing through the paint. And once all of you have touched that side of the paint, the other side of the room completely collapses. There's a rumble. Concrete begins to fall paint splashes everywhere and that entire side of the room is completely blocked off and you just hear Dima's laugh echoing around the room as he presumably makes his exit but you are able to push through the paint in fact once the other side collapses this paint wall just disappears 
it falls apart. And you can run in to get to your individual friends. They are still shackled to the ceiling, essentially, these long chains coming down, but your vampires, you can break those fairly easily. You don't even need a key. And they all appear to be unconscious. Katarina, as you go collect Ray Ray, he's muttering something under his breath, but he appears to be asleep. As far as you can tell, Dima was not lying when he said that he hadn't physically touched them. But this paint that splashed all over them, as soon as you touch it, you get a vast, vibrant shock. Like a psychic shock from something in this paint. And whatever it is, it's keeping them asleep. And judging from the look of pain on their faces, it is not a good sleep. But you have them. And you have the cards that have been hung around their necks. Yeah, tell me about that. Are you pausing to read it? Oh, yeah. Well, we have about an hour before uh, Dima is far enough away, right? For, yeah. Yeah. So you have the cards. You have an hour. You have your people. Are you staying in here for the full hour with them, or are you taking them and going? Like, I have five people to transport. Yeah, I'm just getting a hold of my driver. Yeah, we need, like, a Trying to get Eddie home so I can wash him up. So it does take you a little bit of time to get them out of here. It's... The wardings on the doors are very strong, and it... As much as you punch them, Marcus, they don't break. But they start weakening after about 15 minutes. You gather as he gets further and further away. And so if the door is locked, then I will fucking climb the walls and find the ceiling and make a hole on my own. I'm really, really fucking strong. And that grip power that I have will absolutely let me literally walk up the side of the wall. So you see Marcus unable to break open the door and he just bounds up the wall and starts spider crawling towards the ceiling and begins ripping pieces out of it. Because someone did not ward the ceiling. And uh, given the fact that uh, he can't be too far away, what Marcus will do on the other side of the wall, right, uh, is just simply drop to the door and kick the fucking door back open. Marcus drops to the other side, kicks the door open, and you are all able to exit carrying your people. The further you drive away from this area, the more the paint begins to slide off of them. It does make quite a mess in your car, Alex, and in yours, Marcus. But it's gone, and they all stop shivering and muttering as if they were dreaming. We'll find out about that information you got in our next episode. But for now, thank you for joining us, and good night.